Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Today, we did something different. As I mentioned in my prior podcast, today, we went to Yeshiva University and recorded our first live podcast. I was privileged to have the Bahraini ambassador to the United States, Sheikh Abdullah bin Rashid bin Abdullah al-Khalifa, who joined me at Yeshiva University, where we did a live Q&A. The event was live streamed, and now you're going to get to hear what that podcast was all about. I hope you enjoy it. I think it was really interesting and an important podcast, one that transcended not just the Abraham Accords, but Bahrain's place in the Middle East, U.S. relations with Bahrain, and more. Take a listen. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's really a special thrill for me to be here because for those of you who don't know, I went to high school right down the block. I went to college right across the street. The campus looked a little less fancy then than it does now (laughs) a couple of years ago. But I never in a million years would have imagined that I'd be sitting in front of you and interviewing my friend, the ambassador, the Bahrain ambassador to the United States of America, Sheikh Abdullah. The truth is that when I was in college here, information was not quite as, let's say, forthcoming back then. So while I might have heard of Bahrain, what I knew of it was scant and probably not very positive. But over the years, I've come to learn some really good insight into Bahrain. And of course, with them becoming part of the Abraham Accords, you should all know that uh, we owe a deep debt to His Majesty King Hamad, who was very, very courageous in stepping forward together with some of the other leaders in signing the Abraham Accords, as well as the other political leaders who played an important role, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed from the United Arab Emirates, King Mohammed VI from Morocco, and of course, President Trump, Jared Kushner, David Friedman, Avi Berkowitz, and many others, and Prime Minister Netanyahu. But uh, Sheikh Abdullah, the ambassador, played a very, very important role, and I'm honored to have you here. Thank you so much. No, Jason, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'd like to thank everyone that's with us here tonight for dedicating the time. Um, Honestly, I'm here tonight not only because of my role as ambassador, but I got a text from a friend saying, you got to be here. That friend is sharing the stage with me today. Jason, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. So... So let's start with the Abraham Accords. I experienced tremendous warmth from the Kingdom of Bahrain, from you, from His Majesty, from the Crown Prince, who I should also thank Crown Prince Salman, from the ministers. And I realized that it's a genuine desire, a thirst for peace. What can this audience do? What can my listeners do to help continue to build on the Abraham Accords, not just with the Abraham Accord countries, but with those countries in the region that I like to call the not yet Abraham Accord signers? 
Well, I think there's a lot that can be done. Uh, we're at a crossroads in history. Uh, today we are seeing a region that is changing dramatically. And there are a lot of things that many different entities can do, including students and universities. I think paying close attention to uh, what's happening within the Abraham Accords, looking at all the developments, getting insights on the latest, and talking about it, getting the word out. There's a lot of positive news coming out of the region. Every time I do one of these, I have to go back and get an update. And all these updates are extremely positive. And I think keeping up with that, getting the word out, making sure that people understand how historic this moment is and how it defines the future of the region is very important. And I think that students can do much more than other entities, including governments, to tell you the truth, in spreading the word and making sure that people really recognize what's happening in the Middle East. And beyond the countries themselves, I'm a big believer that the Abraham Accords is not just between, for example, Bahrain and Israel, but between Bahrain and the Jewish community around the world, between Bahrain and the North American Jewish community, between Bahrain and Yeshiva University. What could your message be to these students to understand that historic crossroads that you mentioned, that we really have transcended decades of strife and instead we are now sort of all coming back together again and trying to forge a better path, a better future for our kids. I know you have five kids, I have six kids. I should recognize that some of my kids are in the audience now. We work so hard to give them a better future, but what can they do together with us to help forge that path? Again, I think that um, we need to keep up with what's happening. For us in Bahrain, uh, last year was a very important year. But what's equally important is what got us to a stage where we were comfortable with the decision. For the past 20 years or so, His Majesty the King has always been a proponent of peace, wanted to instill hope in the region. For those that have uh, researched Bahrain a little bit, you might realize that we do have an indigenous Jewish society that has peacefully coexisted in a Muslim-majority country. Looking at the demographics of Bahrain, half the population, it's a small country, 1.5 million people, half of whom are Bahrainis, citizens, and the other half come from all over. Uh, Bahrain is, a, is an island country that has been always welcoming and opening for people, and so we've embraced different cultures, different people from different backgrounds, and that has uh, really created the DNA of Bahrainis today. It needed leadership to ensure that people have the space uh, to both worship. Um, when we saw the movement of uh, Arab Jews into Bahrain a very long time ago, naturally there was a uh, a need for the setting up of uh, religious institutions, and so a synagogue was set up. Uh, it's still functional today. It actually got a, a, a revamp a, a year or two ago, and uh, I was very lucky to see it. But I think it's important to, uh, to recognize that this is 
It's been a long time coming. There were so many steps that were taken in the past 20 years or so to get us to the point where His Majesty could say, this is what we want to do, and then we got uh, to the point where we were part of the Accords. And now what we have to do is build upon those successes. So if we very quickly look at what was achieved in one year only, we have over 31 MOUs that were signed with the State of Israel. We have four pending. That's only on a government-to-government -government level. We have representation today, an ambassador in Tel Aviv. We have an embassy, uh, Israeli embassy in Bahrain. We have trips twice a week. Our national carrier, Gulf Air, flies twice a week to Tel Aviv and back. And so a lot has been achieved in setting the foundation of a relationship that we hope will be an enduring relationship. So I want to mention that one of the things that impressed me about His Majesty King Hamad, and there were a few things, you know, he's very smart, great sense of humor, but he always spoke about how you have to think outside the box. And when Jared Kushner, who spearheaded the peace plan with, between Israel and the Palestinians, which has not been successful at all yet, but um, one thing that was very important to him was to show the Palestinians the economic benefits that could be achieved through peace. And His Majesty King Hamad graciously offered the Kingdom of Bahrain to host that conference. And you mentioned the synagogue, so uh, at, at the first night of the dinner in Manama, an Israeli reporter came up to me um, and he said, would you like to go to the synagogue tomorrow morning? I didn't believe him. I didn't think that there was a synagogue there, but indeed there was a synagogue there. We davened there, we prayed there, we danced. The dancing you know, was circulating around Twitter, but it is an active um, synagogue now. I don't know that they have a daily minion, but it's really quite remarkable. There has been a Jewish community there. Um, Sheikh Abdallah's predecessor uh, was Jewish, I believe. Uh, I think her son just got married in, in, uh, in Bahrain. So uh, one of the quotes that she had said, which was so interesting to me, is that they've always lived there openly as Jews with coexistence. And from your description, it sounds like coexistence has been a fundamental building block of Bahraini society. Uh, Jason, if, my, if I may add an anecdote, I was uh, in Bahrain uh, last year, actually at the foreign ministry, where I was talking to my good friend, Ambassador Huda Nunu, who is the, was the first Arab Jewish woman in Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, and I continued to look up to her, and I was with her in a meeting, and she said, what are you doing tomorrow at 11? I looked at my schedule and I said, I'm open for 45 minutes. And she said, I have a USDCM that's going to visit the synagogue. And her family had just renovated the synagogue. And I said, you know what? I've never been to it. I really want to see it. And I was there the next day. And it was great and all. But as I left the synagogue, she said, there's a store that just opened close by. Uh, called Lily Bee. I'm like, okay. She said, do you want to pass by? And I passed by. It's a Jewish store that sells red and white kippah, um, reflective of uh, our red and white flag, uh, candles, uh, placemats, you name it. And to me, what's really interesting is that this store is right in the middle of town, in the capital. And I looked around, 
Do we see any community police officers? Do we see any kind of security apparatus? And there was none, which kind of indicates where we are on the spectrum of things um, with the hope that we can uh, provide the space necessary for everyone to peacefully coexist in a country like Bahrain. Times have changed. It's really quite remarkable. Bahrain is uh, well known for its investment in banking and tourism. What would you tell these college students in terms of planning out their future? What opportunities would exist in Bahrain or in the GCC generally for non-Bahrainis or non-GCC citizens in Bahrain? Oh, there's, there's a lot that can happen. I think that uh, the fact that Bahrain has, is one of only two countries in the, in the GCC that has a free trade agreement with the United States presents a huge opportunity. Uh, what we did last year was we've signed an MOU to allocate a plot of land uh, for U.S. businesses only for investment that's close to the ports, and we will continue to look at incentives and initiatives that will promote trade between the two countries. We were able to, triple, uh, to double our exports to the U.S. in the past 10 years. The U.S. has been able to triple its exports to Bahrain. But now, with the announcement of the accords, you have State of Israel that has a free trade agreement with the U.S. You have a country like Bahrain that has a free trade, an FTA with the U.S. We were working on um, issues bilaterally, but I think what we need to do right now is think on a more multilateral level and create opportunities for uh, students to experience the region. Uh, I think that there are a lot, there's a lot of synergy between uh, what you're studying here and folks back home. Um, when you look at industry, uh, we have a booming fintech industry. We're looking at AI. We're talking about more or less the same issues that uh, communities around the world, forward-thinking communities, are looking at. Uh, we have the government um, that has um, um, provided different incentives to get private sector involvement up. And that's all due to the fact that we have uh, diversified our economy away from oil a very long time ago. And so there are huge opportunities. And now I think with the Abraham Accords, there's a lot that we can do on a multilateral level uh, that's going to be, um, uh, uh, I think, very beneficial for uh, students that are graduating from the U.S. And for the Jewish students in this room, when they feel comfortable doing internships or studying in Bahrain, and I know the answer that I want to say, but I, I'd like them to hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, um, for those that visit Bahrain, you will find a country that is very open-minded, um, a country that uh, embraces uh, diversity, that celebrates diversity. And uh, I, I think that... Uh, the only way you can really get a sense of who we are as a people is to not only research, but also visit Bahrain, even though briefly, but get a sense of, of who we are. Um, there are a lot of opportunities. And so I think that, uh, especially in, in a post-COVID era, where we're looking at more synergy between communities around the world, there's, there's a lot that can happen. So what's perhaps the biggest security challenge that the GCC or perhaps the entire Middle East faces these days? There are a number of uh, security challenges, obviously. And um, 
what we have learned is that uh, crime is transnational today, so we have to be working with different agencies around the world to ensure that we're protecting the national security interests of our people. Take, for example, uh, NYPD. We had signed an MOU with NYPD two years ago, three years ago. Uh, and so we, we are working towards securing uh, our country, obviously. Without security, there is no uh, way of, uh, there's no path for development. And so uh, security is an extremely important pillar within uh, our society. The challenges that we might face come from um, uh, regional state and non-state actors sometimes. Uh, we have to be uh, diligent. We work with partners from the region and outside the region, like the United States, to ensure that all our national security interests are, are taken care of. Um, and uh, we're working on interoperability to ensure that we can work with one another, to ensure that we have the mechanisms that help us work with one another at times of crisis. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention is that we do have a huge U.S. presence in Bahrain because of the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet. At any given time, you have thousands of military personnel and their families living in Bahrain. That's our, our obligation to protect them as well. And so uh, we've, uh, we've worked with uh, uh, multiple uh, uh, institutions around the world to ensure that we're working together towards uh, stabilizing the region. And that's, again, part of who we are. Uh, whenever there's a coalition that is formed, we look at the best interests of uh, our country and others as well. Uh, there are multiple initiatives that were launched, the Navy and in other parts. Uh, and we will continue. We'll continue to host the the Fifth Fleet will continue to host like-minded countries to ensure uh, the safety of waterways, to ensure that folks around the world don't get uh, oil prices that are so high because of a flare-up that happened in the Arabian Gulf. Uh, and it's, it's all part of uh, uh, the responsibilities that we share as a, as a global community. So I'm glad you mentioned that Bahrain hosts the Fifth Fleet. Let's discuss the relationship between the United States and Bahrain. Bahrain is an important U.S. ally. I don't think people talk about it um, enough, so maybe just touch upon that briefly, the relationship between the U.S. and Bahrain. It's, it's been a very long relationship. I'm talking 130 years since, believe it or not, we had missionaries that came, came to Bahrain. Um, they started a small dispensary. That dispensary became what's called the American Mission Hospital. They expanded into three other locations. They built a church, built a school. All of these institutions are still functional today. And I think it just comes to show how deep-rooted the relationship is. Um, it's been uh, very constant. Uh, it's been uh, a relationship that was steady over time. Uh, and I think that has brought us to where we are today in the relationship, announced as a major non-NATO ally a number of years ago, announced as a major uh, security partner uh, last year. And so we will continue to work very closely with the U.S. on a multitude of issues because it is a multifaceted relationship that we have with, uh, with the U.S. 
So we spoke about tourism a few moments ago. I'm a big traveler. I've taken my kids all over the world. I just love to travel. What could these students um, see in Bahrain when they go themselves with their families? What are some of the highlights? I mean, you name it. If, if, uh, if there are any petrol heads here, uh, the Formula One race uh, is, is, a, uh, is an event that we love uh, every year. Um, there's just so much to do. An island that has developed a pearling industry for a very long period of time. I think what makes Bahrain special is that there's something for everyone. If it's a family that's coming to town, uh, there's a lot to do. Uh, if it's uh, a, a group of students that are visiting for a couple of days, and it depends on the budget as well. The, you can check into an Airbnb or a five-star hotel. And by the way, uh, kosher meals are, are also available. Uh, we should talk about opening up a kosher pizza shop. I, Always very important. I think that's a good idea. I was looking at uh, a hashtag that Ambassador Hudanuna has been using called um, Bahrain Kosher. And what she does is she goes into regular supermarkets and she picks out uh, some of the products that are certified as being kosher. It just helps with the dynamics and we're seeing um, a, a, a bigger array of products being available. We're seeing um, hotels cater to kosher meals. We're seeing restaurants do the same. And so I think that we are on uh, the right path in ensuring that there are multiple options. Uh, we've been doing it for years when it comes to other religions as well. So. It's, it's always good to see that uh, uh, we're on the right path. I remember before the Abraham Accords, there was a Bahraini group, official delegation, maybe not, who visited Israel. When are you going to come to Israel with me and visit? With oh, your kids, by question. the way. Um, I, I think you have a, a good connection with uh, some of my bosses back home. I th let them hear it from you, and I'll be on the first flight with you to Tel Aviv. Great. Last question before we end this formal part of the podcast and open it up to Q&A. What's uh, one or two important messages you want to share with the students that maybe we haven't covered about Bahrain? I, I think that uh, sometimes it doesn't matter how big or small the country is. It doesn't matter how big of a population it is. It's, I think we have to look deep down inside and realize how much we have in common, work on the commonalities, work on building relationships, and always keep a communications channel open. Without communication, there's, there's nothing that we can do. And so um, that has been the policy set forth uh, by uh, the Kingdom of Bahrain for many years. Um, it's helped with our foreign policy. It's helped with our domestic policy. And I think it's, uh, it's important for uh, students to keep the same open-mindedness um, necessary um, to learn more. And um, the only way you can learn more is to actually engage uh, with others. So um, I would encourage more engagement. I would encourage more discussions. And uh, I think that we all play an important role uh, one way or another in uh, creating an environment that is better for uh, the coming generations. I think it's such an important point. I mean, my kids uh, used to laugh at me because I'd show up to the Shabbat table, our Friday night table, with Palestinians, with other Arabs from the region, and 
really unless you keep that open mind, unless you want to learn more about the other people. You might have significant differences with the other people, but the only chance at ever helping to improve the world is with exactly that advice. So thank you for sharing that, Mr. Ambassador Sheikh Abdullah. Thank you so much for being here at my alma mater. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's great to have you. Thank you. Hi, this is Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I had a lot of fun tonight in our first live broadcast with Sheikh Abdullah, the Bahraini ambassador to the United States at Yeshiva University. I'm so glad Yeshiva University was willing to sponsor this event. It was a great event. I think the audience really enjoyed it. And it's a lot of fun doing a podcast where the people are in the room. The energy was great. So thanks to the students who were there. Thanks to the faculty. Thanks to Yeshiva University. And of course, thanks to my friend, Ambassador Sheikh Abdullah bin Rashid bin Abdullah Khalifa. Thank you for joining me there. If you found this podcast informative, please do share it and my other podcasts with your friends and family and colleagues. You can listen to The Diplomat on Apple, Spotify, and wherever your podcasts can be heard. We have a lot of great guests coming up, and hopefully we'll try some new ideas as well. Until next time, I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek.